Hello and welcome once again to the Wisdom for Life podcast. This is Pastor Glenn coming to you with a word about life and doing life in the wisdom of the Spirit. Today I want to talk to you about stress and strain or perhaps doing life in the power of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus told his followers and disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Earlier in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, Wait or tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. We see a pattern here of consistency from the Lord that he provides power, he provides resources for the things that he ordains. Another way to perhaps see it is what God ordains, he sustains. In other words, if we're doing what God has called us to do and we're walking in his will, God is always sure to provide power from his spirit in order to do it. That is something promised uh, throughout scripture, both Old Testament and New. The problem is, is that often we do things for the Lord, things that even God has called us to do, but we do them in our own strength, relying upon our own self-effort. And that, quite frankly, leads to failures. If we go back into the Old Testament, we can see an example of that. The governor of Judea, his name is Zerubbabel, is rebuilding the temple. This is about the same time that Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And God sent the prophet Zechariah to go and say something to him because he was in a work that was a good work. It was a work that God had called him to do, but he was perhaps doing much of it in his own strength and reliance on self. And in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet said this from the Lord, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so God is telling us today that if we want to walk in wisdom, that we need to rely upon his spirit, not our own personal might or power. You know, if we do that, we'll always have a source that never fails. The problem is, is that often we repeat the same mistake and failure in our life again and again by setting out to do a good thing, but to do it in a power that doesn't come from God. If we have the spirit's power and it's available, why then do we continue to do things in our own ability and strength? You know, the results are always the same. Doing things in the Spirit instead of sweat, stress, and strain, and self-effort will lead to victory. Otherwise, we have a repeat of a failure. The quintessential model for this type of success can be found in the life of Jesus. Jesus, again and again, not only was birthed by the Spirit, not only was he commissioned by the Spirit of God, but he did everything he did by the power of the Spirit of God. We can see the opposite of this model in the lives of the disciples, who again and again failed all the way up until the ascension and the Holy Spirit came down in the upper room. And then we see the disciples filled with the Spirit, and there is a complete change and their success in what God has called them to do. So three and a half years of being with Jesus in constant failure, and you can look at their lives again and again. They weren't able to cast out demons at times. They were able to do uh, some of the works of God, 
but a majority of the time they failed. That is until they were filled with the Spirit's power. There was a cartoon that I loved as a child, and the name of it was Popeye, and it really illustrates what a life can be like as a believer once you're filled with the power of God to do what God has called you to do. Every episode of Popeye was really the same. And if you remember that show, each day was a repeat of the last day. He would engage the trouble or the problem of life, which was really coming always through a big bully by the name of Bluto. And without going to his power source, he would take on Bluto. He would find a way to try to beat Bluto in his own strength. And the end result was failure. It was failure in for the town. It was failure for the people that Popeye loved. Let's see, his girlfriend was named Olive Oil. And there was Wimpy who would always gladly pay you for a cheeseburger on Tuesday. Remember Wimpy? And then there was Sweet Pea, the little baby. And the whole town and the people that Popeye loved were always in distress. They were distraught because of the big problem of Bluto. Well, Popeye would attempt to take Bluto on in his own strength and fail. That is until he found his can of spinach. He would open up that can of spinach, eat that can of spinach, and we'd hear Popeye's theme song. His muscles would grow. He would go out. He would take on Bluto. The enemy Bluto would be defeated. That bully would be run out of town. And what was the result? Popeye would be victorious. Has it ever occurred to you that if Popeye would have eaten his spinach before Bluto arrived, that as soon as Bluto arrived, that there wouldn't be a failure, that he wouldn't have to try to fight the enemy Bluto, that big bully in his own strength, and fail, that he could eat his spinach and then face the enemy. And that is what, as believers, we need to learn. We have a repeat episode in our life almost every day of trying to do things on our own strength, failing, then turning to the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit's power, then going out and have having victory again. When in reality, we could have victory much, much more often if we'll just do things in God's strength and in God's power. You know, God's kingdom is a kingdom of spirit. So it's going to take spiritual and supernatural resources to be successful in it. Jesus set up his kingdom of the spirit that way. In fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 5, that Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it is a kingdom of spirit, not a kingdom of flesh, self-reliance or self-effort. Later, we see in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Guess in whom? the Holy Spirit. So once again, the kingdom of God is of the Spirit of God. And so how is that evidence? Well, we see that in the evidence of righteousness, peace, and joy. And so joy is a result of doing things in God's resources or by God's Spirit. Peace is a result and the evidence of doing things in God's strength and not your self-reliance. And of course, the end result is also righteousness. And so in Romans, it gives us three very, very poignant clues 
to knowing if you're doing things by the power of God and his spirit or by your flesh or in your own strength. You should see joy. You should see peace. You should see righteousness as a result. So how can we have this power in us to be used for the glory of God and what he calls us to do every day in our lives? Well, just like Popeye had to go to his can of spinach and eat it and consume it before he would have a win with the bully Bluto, we must go to the Spirit of God before we start our days, before we start a project, before we confront or face any anything in this world, including the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul tells us to not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That be filled in the Greek is pleru. It is in the imperative voice, which means it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's also in the present tense, which gives an aspect that implies continual action. So this is something that we are to do on a continual basis, that every day of our lives, we should ask to be filled with the Spirit again. That means going to the can of spinach before we face the day or before we face uh, any type of problem or trouble or issue in our life. You get filled with the Holy Spirit in Paul's word words here the same way that you get drunk. Nobody gets drunk because alcohol decides it. To get drunk, you know, you have to drink. Now, I'm not advocating alcohol here, but I'm using the metaphor that Paul is using to show that drinking of the Spirit is an intentional action. It is something we must decide to do. Alcohol doesn't force itself into your system. You open your mouth and you drink it. Likewise, the Spirit of God doesn't force himself into your life. You have to open up your heart. You have to open up your day. You have to open up your mind and your spirit to the Spirit of God entering you. You must invite him into your life daily on a consistent basis. And the effects of that changes you. You know, that same spirit is available to the entirety of the body of Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, we were all made to drink of one spirit. You see there, Paul is using the drink metaphor, the drinking metaphor once again, and saying we all have access as believers to drink of that same spirit. Jesus also uh, proclaimed of himself in John chapter 7, verse 37, that if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John added in his gospel, now this he said about the spirit. Think about this. Jesus is saying that we walk around every day with a thirst that we need something that we cannot provide from ourselves. It must come from the outside in. And Jesus is saying that he is providing exactly what we're thirsty for. And if we drink of him and his spirit, out of our life will be an abundant river of life, a living water that is a river that flows out of our lives into the lives of other people around us. So, God is looking for people who will come and say, Lord, I'm thirsty. 
Today, I need you. I invite you into my, my heart, my life. My heart is open. I need to drink of you. How do we do that? Well, if you think about the drinking metaphor once again, how would you drink anything, even a glass of water? Well, first of all, you would get in an upright position. You certainly don't want to be lying down when you're drinking. And if we think about that, God is not interested in filling our lives as a dirty cup. God doesn't want to fill a dirty vessel. And so we begin often by repenting of sin and confessing our sin to the Lord, that he might wash us and clean us. And then the next step is to quite simply, we need to pause and stop what we're doing. Why do we do that? Well, often, you know, folks, I'll make a cup of coffee and I'll attempt to bring it to my desk. And, and on the way of walking with that cup of coffee, it's, it's filled literally to the brim. And that coffee starts spilling over uh, along the way to my desk. And so it ends up on the carpet. It ends up on my clothes. And, and, and why is that? Because before I decided to drink, I just kept doing what I was doing. You know, you need to stop what you're doing in order to drink. And it's a bad idea to be running and drinking or, or walking and drinking. Perhaps if you drink over a laptop, you might even destroy it. We need to stop and just soak in what God is doing. And, you know, that's what happened uh, to those that were in the upper room. They tarried. They waited. They actually waited and stopped for 10 days. They waited upon the Lord, who then sent his spirit at the end of those 10 days and filled them with the spirit of the living God and with power. Also, when you drink, you you open yourself up. You take inside what is poured out. Jesus is pouring out his spirit and has poured out his spirit already. We know that in the uh, book of Joel that it prophesies that in the last days that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that God's sons and daughters would prophesy, the old men will dream dreams and young men will dream or have visions. And so God is pouring out his spirit. He already has poured it out for all of us. And that's a, a key to understanding that we are, in fact, in the last days. When God's Spirit was poured out in the upper room, Peter came out and preached a sermon and said, Folks, this is the last days. Perhaps you didn't realize that, but the last days began when God poured out His Spirit in the upper room. Peter prophesied that and preached that to the crowd. He said, Joel said, this is exactly what God would do in the last days. And the result would be, that sons and daughters would prophesy. In other words, they would speak words from the Lord, that old men would have dreams from the Lord, and young, man, young men rather would have visions from the Lord. So God has already poured out his spirit. All that's required of us is to open up our, our lives, to stop, uh, to be upright with God and our relationship with him, open up our hearts, open up our, our minds, and spend time with him and drink in and receive what he has for us. And so this drinking of the Holy Spirit in the time that we spend in the presence of God and the Spirit of God affects our lives, and it gives us the power to affect the world around us. You see, God wants to change the world, but he wants to change the world through you. He wants to bring you blessings, but he doesn't want to bring blessings just to you. He wants to bring blessings through you. And so he fills you with his spirit. And as we are filled with the spirit, rivers of living, 
life flow out of us to the world around us. And those changes are made not only in us, but also in the world. You can think of this filling like the water pressure of your home. You know, when you go to take a shower or perhaps you go to wash the dishes, you don't call up the water uh, company and ask them to turn the water on. The water pressure in the water has already been turned on to your home. The reason being is, is the bill has been paid. If we think about that, Jesus has given his life and already paid the bill so that you might receive the filling of the Holy Spirit whenever it's called upon, whenever you need it. All that's required in your home, likewise, is for you to walk up and turn the faucet on. The same is with a shower. When you go to take a shower, you just get in the shower and you turn on the shower and the water flows. It's the same with the Spirit of God. That is available to you whenever you need it. And it not only flows into your life, but it can also flow out of your life because the bill, folks, has been paid by Jesus Christ. So it changes the world around you, but how does it change the world within you? How does it change your emotions? How does it change you? How does it change us and our character? Well, let's go back to the drinking metaphor that Paul uses here uh, just for a moment. As with drinking, when a person drinks a lot, and by the way, folks, at that time, the wine that was being drunk had a very, very low alcohol content. You had to drink a lot to be able to be intoxicated by what you were drinking. The same idea here is with the Spirit. Many people just want a sip of God and they, they just want to have a little shot of God. But what Paul is saying here is to drink in much of God before you face life and before you make decisions, before you go out and face the enemy, drink in a lot of God and his presence and allow it to begin to change you. Then as it overflows out of your life, it will begin to change the lives of others. It will produce righteousness, peace, and joy in you because that's the kingdom of the spirit. But watch this, it's always going to produce the same in the world around you. So that influence, as it's in us, changes us first. How does it do that? Well, think about that drinking metaphor here. As you drink in a lot, you begin to see changes in your life. As with someone that drinks alcohol, we see that it influences their behavior. They begin to act differently than they normally would. If a person has a quiet personality, suddenly they become loud. Those who are shy they become bold and outgoing. The person's walk changes, uh, their speech changes, they lose control because of the influence of alcohol. But conversely, with the Spirit of God, as you drink Him in, watch this, you will begin to take on the personality of Jesus. Instead of losing control, you start to gain self-control of your emotions and your appetites. Your walk changes, your speech changes. You have boldness in the Spirit of God to witness and to share God's love with others. You are quite simply under the influence, but not of alcohol. You're under the influence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This filling of the Holy Spirit is ongoing. You have to continually be filled. The reason why is because what God puts in us is intended to flow out of us. That means that as we live our lives, the things that God has filled us with flow out of us to make a difference in the world around us. 
And I want to remind all of you that are listening, you simply cannot give what you don't have. You need the input of the Holy Spirit into your life and the infilling in order for that to continually flow out and into the lives of the others that are around you. I have a garden hose that I like to use in the back to wash cars from time to time. And you know, this garden hose is interesting. It will expand. It will stretch. It will allow a lot of water pressure to increase its size. And that's what I love about it. Because when I empty that garden hose, it will shrink back up and it's easy to put away. You know, a time or two, the pressure has been cut off to that hose. But for a little while, I've noticed that the hose will continue to spray because it's it's filled with a certain amount of pressure in the hose itself. But after a while, even the hose will stop spraying. I just thought about that today, that my life contains a certain amount of the Spirit of God, and that stretches me. That is useful to the kingdom, and it's useful for changes in my life and in the world. But if I'm not continually being filled, over time, what filled me yesterday will flow out of me, and my life and my heart will begin to shrink. I'll begin to shrink away from God. I'll begin to shrink away from people. I'll begin to shrink away from making a difference. I don't want to do that. And so I want my life to be continually filled. And so I return to the Spirit of God daily, on a daily basis, and sometimes many times throughout the day, asking the Lord to fill me once again as I approach a problem or situation, as I approach making a decision. This is a wise thing to do. And it will bring about victory and success, not only in my life, but in your life as well. want to encourage you to do that and want to thank you once again for stopping by to listen to Wisdom for Life. God bless you.